let me do a little speaker intro and then followed by our scripture reading. Um, it's great to have Pastor Taylor Field and his wife, Susan, uh, with us today, this first Sunday of the new year. Uh, they are not only uh, church and ministry pioneers, but great friends personally and for our church. Um, they were serving many faithful years at Graffiti and recently retired, but they're still connected. I think they're going to Graffiti 2, helping out uh, that church in the Bronx. And Pastor Taylor is also working for the uh, North American Mission Board as a uh, Send Relief Missionary. He's actually the Northeast Director. Um, he's written some books. He's an author, but I like to think of him as more of a reader. Because uh, in order to write as much as he writes, he reads uh, 10 times as much, I think. And I've been a beneficiary of doing some reading with him. But I like better that uh, he's a coffee connoisseur and a tree herd. He is uh, trained in taking care of trees, at least in New York City. I don't know if they are allowing that. In uh, He's living in Princeton right now with Susan, uh, almost like graduate students of old. Um, and But he's in North Carolina, right now, North Carolina right now. And after Andrew reads the scriptures, he'll be sharing the message. Thank you, Pastor. Our Bible passage today is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And uh, so I just want to say thank you for pouring yourself out for the hungry and satisfying uh, the, uh, the needs of the afflicted. Uh, you've been great. And I'll just tell you what you've done through the years in helping out in New York City is multiplying. As Pastor Daniel said, now I am... Uh, working not only in New York City, but working to help start places like graffiti in other cities. And we've just started one in Pittsburgh and in Boston. We're working on uh, Detroit, Baltimore, and Toronto. So thank you for your prayers and for helping multiply some of the things that are happening. But let's get right to the sermon. The title of the sermon is, You Can't Build a Third Story on a Vacant Lot. And Jesus, who was a carpenter, he has a great story about that, too. He has a wonderful story about uh, some people who are having all these great things inside their house. The drapes are right. The sofa looks good. The painting is right. But there's no foundation. The foundation is sand. And he calls that person a fool. And in Greek, the word is really we get the word moron from it, kind of an idiot, because they are valuing the wrong thing. And so uh, I want to think of today for us, instead of thinking about um, our New Year's resolutions, think for a moment about what is your foundation? Some of you that have been to Graffiti One have probably met this person, but there's an individual that I met when he was 12 years old. And in his teenage years, he, uh, he accepted the Lord. He got baptized. He was one of the first people at Graffiti to be baptized at uh, um, Two of his friends came to watch this strange thing happen, and uh, he prayed with them that day to accept the Lord. One of them died about a year later, and as he progressed as a teenager, he began to work with at graffiti. And, uh, you know, some people gave him a lot of pressure, even laughed at it, because he was working for minimum wage while others were getting a lot from uh, drug deals and so forth. His dad was in prison. His mother had already died. He had a tough time, but he kept going. And he kept working for graffiti. He became the hero for my sons. They looked up to him because uh, he could rap 
and I could not. I mean, he could really flow, man, and they just loved it being with him. And he went graduated from high school. We're so proud of him. Went to college, graduated from college. It was a long journey. Eventually, he uh, became a member of our board. Now he's serving uh, others in upstate New York City, and I just see him every now and then. But every time I see him, uh, we have a saying with each other. It's very simple. We just say, hey, are you keeping the main thing the main thing? And he'll ask me that. And that's really the question this morning as we look ahead to this coming year. Are we keeping the main thing the main thing? You know, I realized that a while ago that you don't have to get everything right. But get the foundation right. And so uh, my prayer this morning is that we can take a moment and think about a foundation. And I'm, I know some of you are Bible scholars. I'm going to ask you this question. If you could put a foundation, one verse that you would say really says it is a foundation for you from the Bible, what would you say? And maybe some of you would say uh, John 3.16. It's the gospel within the gospel. You see it at the sports centers and so forth. Or maybe the Lord is my shepherd. Or maybe while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's so many great verses, but I want to share with you the verse that I find is a foundational verse uh, in my life right now, and I'm going to break all the preacher's rules. Um, it's not going to be a lot of verses. It's just one verse, and I don't have three points. I just have two points, and uh, they don't start with uh, the same consonant or anything, but let's get right into it. The verse that I've chosen and I'd like to ask you to think about is 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Uh, Andrew read it. I'm going to read it again in the NIV, but if you have a different translation, stay with that translation, because although it's a very simple verse, some translators have struggled to communicate what it really means. So here's that verse one more time. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Now, I can't resist. Uh, a long time ago, I was a Greek teacher uh, there, they struggle with how to translate this. You know, there's several tenses in Greek. They're not exactly like English tenses. One indicates continuous action. So when they say be filled with the spirit, it's this continuous action. There's another one that's quite common, which just means something happened. It could be in the past or the present, it just happened. But there's one that's not used as often, which means something happened in the past and has a strong continuous effect. And that's what they use in this, the two verses. It's we know and literally believe. Uh, it's in English sometimes, maybe in your translation, it may say we have known and have believed the love God has for us. This translation tries to put it rely on because it has a continuing effect. In other words, this is really, really important. And I would say the one thing God wants from us more than anything else is to accept his love for us, to believe that uh, or to trust in that. And that's my first word. The one point is trust. You know, in the Bible, the word for believe and trust is the same word. And that's really important. And I'm thinking right now, you might be thinking, yes, yes, I know that. But what I'm praying is, Pray, praying today is that we'll take a little time, slow down, and let this sink into our heart. You know, sometimes there's a barrier between our head and our heart. We have head knowledge, but it doesn't sink down into our heart. And I'm praying we can take a few moments and think about this. 
I'm thinking about a person that I talked with decades ago. He was a young man. He knew a lot more theology than I did. He knew the Bible better than I did, but he was troubled. And he asked that we just meet a series of times and talk and try to sort some things out. And as I did that, I, you know, I'm a question asker. And so I asked some questions and, and, you know, one question I asked, I said, do you think God loves you? And he said, well, of course, I know God loves me. But then I found the question that was helpful. I said, do you think God likes you? And he paused, he was quiet for a long time. And grown man, tears came down from his eyes. And he finally said this, how could God ever like me? Now, in the Bible, they don't use the word like, like we do in English, but they have another word. The word in the Bible is often this word, delight. God delights in you. Another one of the words he uses, you are my special possession. Several times says, you are that where you are the apple of my eye. Someplace he says, I will sing over you with exultation. You are precious in his sight. And my prayers is we just think from, just slow down and think about that for you. You know, this was a realization I had a few weeks ago. I'll just be honest. You know, sometimes in the middle of the night, I'll hear the accuser. You know, Satan means accuser. I'll hear the accuser speak. I'll say, you're no good. Why did you say that to that person? You just messed up again. And sometimes I'll even think, you know, I, I, I put on a, a way of relating to people. And I think, you know, if they really knew who I was, they wouldn't like me that much. But I realized and this is true for each of us. The one who knows you the best loves you the most. He's not bored with you. You might even now say, come on, come on, let's get to the next point. He, he, he'll, he'll listen, whatever it is. He's patient with you. He wants to walk with you in the cool of the evening. That's who he is. Um, you know, I was thinking this morning about, uh, uh, you know, everybody has their own experience. When I was in the eighth grade, um, they had these dances and these eighth graders would come to dance. And sometimes someone would say something like, uh, oh, so-and-so likes you. And it was such a great, you know, someone has noticed me. But that only happened, you know, lasts about 10 minutes. But in Ephesians, it says, God noticed you before the foundation of the earth. That's how important you are. When I was a young man, I remember reading the story about a young person with an older person. They were talking about prayer and all these things. And the young person said, you must be very close to God, to the older person. And the older person said, yes, I am very dear to him. And as a young person, I thought, well, that's kind of bragging and, you know, kind of uh, focusing on yourself. But you know what? Now I understand what she meant. And each one of us can say that today to just take a moment 
in our heart and say, yes, I am very dear to God. It's not just a head thing. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't just depend on your own understanding. And I'm praying that wall between our head and our heart will come down again. You know, um, as I read the Bible, and I've been reading it a lot the last two years, um, you know, I've had some, some changes in my life, but I realize, um, you know, just a basic thing, and that's simply this. One person's trash is another person's treasure. And you may feel like trash with other people in the world right now, but you're a treasure to God. That's the way he feels about you. You know, um, and I think something we've kind of drifted uh, recently. Um, I think somehow we think we have to do all these things, uh, uh, you know, uh, in order for us to have that foundation. Uh, I don't think that's the way it works. It's very hard to speak in human language about what God does, but uh, here's something I've been thinking about. It happened when I was in the fourth grade. I don't have much of a romantic story until I met my wife. So this might be the high point in my life until I met Susan was in the fourth grade. So there was a girl in the fourth grade that was so popular. Everybody wanted to be around her. And I figured, you know, if she had 10 watches on her hand. She wouldn't give me the time of day. You know, that's just where I felt as in the fourth grade. Uh, and I remember one day, though, at the time we had to get up to the blackboard or to the board and write out the uh, some multiplication homework that we did and then everybody would check it. So we everybody get people get up and write on the blackboard. And I was writing on the blackboard right next to her uh, desk. And she took the chalk and wrote out, I love you. To me, in the fourth grade, that's heady stuff, let me tell you. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, what does a fourth grade boy do? I got the eraser and I erased it right away. I raced that thing, you know, and, uh, but my world had changed. I walked out onto the schoolyard. I was walking on air. Who cared about the bullies? It didn't matter to me. I walked home. I'm supposed to dump the kitchen trash. I dumped the waste baskets in every room in the house. All of a sudden, my little sister wasn't so irritating to me anymore. And I even did my homework early that night because for the first time, I couldn't wait to get back to school. You see what I'm saying? Once we realize this, there's so much more that just happens. We get transformed. Now, full disclosure, a week later, a new boy moved into town, went to our class, and that girl forgot all about me. But let me tell you something, that if that could do that to me for just that week, think what realizing and letting that be in your heart that God loves you that much can do for us. And so that's why I think this is the foundation to trust, to trust that love. Say, yeah, mix this promise of God with your faith a little bit. That's how the Bible calls it. it says mix it with your faith and say, yes, I believe that. Now, I know we're thinking, well, uh, yeah, but you've got to do this, this, and this. And, I, and I, I will just say this. Yes, there's a lot more to the gospel. And yes, the Lord sets up guardrails because he loves us. 
and sin will destroy us and destroy many other people. It has shrapnel. Yes, but that's not the core. When I was dating Susan, she had a friend. And I remember vividly, uh, I went to visit Susan and her friend was there and her friend had a billfold and it had pictures in it. And she had put the pictures of about 12 guys that she had gone out on a date with or she liked. And she actually took the time with me and went over each one. This is Joe. He's really cute. This, this is Sam. He asked me out. Went through every one of these 12. It was really important. It was like her trophies or something. But then I was away. I was at school. I came back. I saw her again. And she opened up her billfold. And she only had one picture in it. She'd found that person, that one. And she said this, she said, you know, it's funny. It wasn't hard at all, but just in the last couple of weeks, day by day, I've just taken those other pictures out and I've thrown them in the wastebasket. It wasn't hard at all. And that's the way I think it should be. You know, Jesus has this great story. I love it where he says, you find the pearl of great price. And I love that story because he doesn't say there aren't other pearls. But once you find that pearl of great price, it's easy to make the other decisions. Now I'm looking out at the Zoom. I can see a few of you and, and, and I appreciate that, but I'm just saying, you might be saying, yeah, that's, that's really okay. But I don't want to hear about your fourth grade experiences with a girlfriend. That doesn't interest me. I want you know, something that's got a little more meat into it. And so I'm just going to say this, you know, one of my favorite uh, theologians is Augustine, 1500 centuries ago. And he has all these great one-liners and, and he was so, before he became a Christian, he was at the top of his game. Actually, at that time, he, uh, he, he was like the, uh, he, was, he had the position in Rome. He was like the head professor at Harvard in rhetoric and philosophy. That's before he became a Christian. He was smart. And then after he became a Christian, he writes all this theology and all this complicated philosophy. But one point, I love it when he says this. He says, he says, give me a lover. That person will know what I mean. You see what he's doing? He's focusing again on the heart. And as I think about the foundation of who we are, I guess I'd say it like this. Um, Christianity is not really like earning something. It's more like falling in love. Now, I know some of you may just say right now, so yeah, yeah, that's, those are great experiences. But what about the practical day-to-day -day living the life in Christ? How, what, what does that say for that? And so I just want to look at the second half of this verse. It says this. This is chapter 4, verse 16 of 1 John. It says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Again, you may have another translation. Your translation may say, whoever remains in love remains in God. It's the basic word for remain or if you have an old time translation in English, it says, whoever abides in God, excuse me, abides in love, abides in God, and God is in them. And so the first point was simply trust. The second point is simple also. 
It's simply this. Remain in God's love. But how do you do that? How do you day by day, like a flowing river, remain in God's love? Well, here's my answer. You do what you're doing right now. You're dwelling on the promise of God. God is love. And this may sound very simple, but it's meant a lot to me. You know, I've learned that the power of God doesn't flow through the commands. It flows through the promises. It's when you renew your mind that you're transformed. And so it's remaining in that love. And let's just be practical. How do you do that? You know, we often, we will, we will drift to the default mode of thinking that we somehow have to earn this. And maybe in your life, you've had uh, some understanding that you, if you do this well in school, or if you do this well, or you're well behaved, you're loved. And so we have to go back again and again to remembering that God is love. And when we abide in love, we abide in him. Um, here's one way that helps me. A family member said it this way, and I, it's really helped me. She said, you know, we, we've all had a, a, a range of emotions these last two years. This is what she said. She said, attach your emotion to a truth. In other words, this is really a tough time. Well, the Bible says, greater the afflictions of the righteous. That's a fact. But the truth is, God will deliver us from them all. I don't understand all this. It's overwhelming. Well, the Bible says, all things will work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That, that's the truth. I'm so anxious. I, I dread everything. Well, the scripture says, I called upon the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all, all my fears, small and big. You see what I mean? I can go on and on. I'm depressed. Well, the scripture says that God will lift every valley up that there's truths there and we attach ourselves to it. Now you can do it the way you want. Everyone's different. I, I say this, um, I say, uh, put your brain on paper, write it down or put it on your cell phone. Do it, do, do, put it down somewhere. I actually like to write it because it helps your brain, your hands, put it down on paper, but maybe your musical, put it in a song, do something so that truth, attach your emotion that's what helps us remain in God's love. And that will help us through this time. Uh, the other thing that I've really learned that just is practical is you might be saying, well, yeah, that's true. But what about all the things, the issues now? I haven't said a word this time about, um, well, I don't know, evangelism or social justice or CRT or what you do in the pandemic or wearing masks or what the politics are. But here's what I, I feel. Once we get this foundation, if you abide in love, the question, whatever issue you're facing this morning, whether it's a small one with your family or finances or a big one, choose the path of love. Take that path. I know there are competing needs. I know the Spirit helps us know the right time and the right way. But choose the path of love. 
And the second thing that's helped me, you know, at Graffiti One, uh, I was involved. I was there for 35 years. So we had some long term relationships. And some of the people I worked with 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. Uh, and uh, you know this, each one of us. In long-term relationships, there's always got to be a lot of little forgiveness and sometimes some big forgiveness for it to be a long-term relationship. And sometimes we do things and, and it, 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 you know, it was the gospel. It was so great to do, but, you know, you're, you're frustrated. So-and-so didn't fix the, the, um, uh, I don't know, the Xerox machine and, and the, you know, so-and-so didn't call me when they're supposed to. And why did so-and-so say this four times to me and all those things. And this is what we'd say to each other. When love grows thin, faults grow thick. Have you noticed that? It could be true in a marriage, with your girlfriend, with your family, with church, with coworkers. See, circumstances are always working to move us out of love. That's always, you know, and love says, that you are, we are, love does not rejoice in the wrong, but rejoices in the right, according to 1 Corinthians. So when you see that you start rejoicing in the wrong, how come they said that to me? She shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have done that to me. You see how you begin to rejoice in the wrong. It doesn't mean you're naive, but our love is to rejoice in the right, whether it's your wife or your parents or your coworker or your brother and sister in the Lord. Um, when love grows thin, faults grow thick. Okay, well, um, all my life I've been trying to think, well, what is the gospel? It's, it's not good advice. It's good news. What, what is the gospel? And you may be thinking, well, what I've been thinking about is, is Christmas and you may have heard the stories in Christmas about the shepherds. Maybe you've heard some of the things back and forth. Uh, rabbinical um, uh, language where shepherds in the first century were not all that uh, honored. Uh, you know, they, they, they supposedly couldn't be a witness uh, because they were kind of the low life. And you weren't even supposed to buy something from a shepherd because it might have been stolen. You know, all these things they didn't say. You may have heard something at Christmas where they said, boy, uh, you know, in Luke, God comes to the shepherds first. Isn't that something? But I want to say, say something about it at the very end. Um, in Luke, the last person Jesus talks to, do you remember that? Remember, he's crucified. There's two thieves on the cross. In Luke, they call them two criminals, two evildoers. And we learn a little bit in, in Mark, uh, you know, that, that they both are giving a hard time. It's like the theater of the absurd. He's being tortured and the people walking by are mocking him. The people who memorized God's word were making fun of him. The, the, the Romans had put head Jew, made a racial slur. All these things. And even the two people crucified, being crucified with them mocked him. Except Luke says there must have been a change of heart in one of them. Because one of the criminals, it says, he first admits, he goes, you know, why are you making fun of him? We are getting what we deserve. He was honest. I did wrong. He's not smug trying to you know, exalt himself because we've got what we deserve, but this man is getting what he didn't deserve. And think of it, they're both being tortured. And the one who's being tortured, and they can hardly breathe. That's how they die. He turns to him and says, 
remember me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And here's this person who's being uh, killed, turns back to him. And the last thing we hear in Luke, he says, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. Now, I don't think that criminal knew the difference between Calvin and Arminius, or, or I don't think he'd been baptized. I don't think he'd even done any great things. But this day, you'll be with me in paradise. And it says from beginning to end, Jesus welcomes the one who is outcast. And we see that all through his life, whether it's the leper uh, or, 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 or the woman caught in adultery or, or the rich man who hides in a tree. He says, I'm going to come eat with you. He's always doing that. And you may say today, I'm not a leper. I'm not a tax collector. I'm not an adulterer. But I think this is the message for us, too. And let me share how I think that works. There's a famous story about G. Campbell Morgan. He was a great Bible teacher in England. Um, and, uh, but, you know, he started out in a difficult circumstance. This is in the last century. Um, but he, 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 when he grew up, he was sick. He was sickly most of the time. So sick that he wasn't able to go to school. So he stayed home. He read the Bible a lot. But he stayed home. And he didn't have the experiences other men and women growing up had. And he felt called by God, and he was going to be examined uh, for the uh, ministry to be ordained in the Wesleyan ministry in England. And so there was examination, but one of the things that he had to do was give a test sermon or a trial sermon. It was in front of 75 people, and he was nervous, and he didn't do very well. And he had to wait two weeks to get the results from the exam. And you can imagine what that's like. He's a young man. This is what he feels called to do. His family's waiting to hear. And he finally goes and he reads on the list and he looks where his name is. And he does not pass the exam. He's so heartbroken. He, he, he telegraphs to his dad. And I guess you had to pay for each word in the telegraph. He telegraphs his dad one word. He telegraphs his dad rejected. And his dad immediately telegraphs back seven words. Rejected on earth, accepted in heaven. Dad. And that's God's message to you and me this morning. You know, you may feel like you've been belittled in some situation at your work. Rejected on earth, accepted in heaven. You may feel like your marriage isn't going that great. Maybe with some difficulty. I just want to tell you, you're rejected on earth, accepted in heaven. Maybe you haven't done as well as your brothers and sisters, or maybe there's some pressure from a family member, rejected on earth, accepted in heaven. Maybe financially today, there's some terrible things going on, and you feel like you're in the slow lane when everyone else is in the fast lane, rejected on earth, accepted in heaven. Or maybe it's something on the inside. Maybe depressed or feeling inferior. I just want to tell you God's message to you. Rejected on earth, accepted in heaven. What's our foundation? It's trusting in God's love and remaining in it. Let's pray together.
Lord, thank you for your message on the chalkboard. You love us and accept us. And we receive that today in Jesus' name. Amen.